Hello and welcome to our Women on a Mission podcast, the online destination for women and men who want to create a life that they truly love, one without limits, one with more balance, more self-belief and endless possibilities for the future. I'm your host, Deborah Craig. I'm an intuitive life mentor and hypnotherapist. And every week I'll bring you guest experts, individuals with lived experience, and of course, I'll share client case studies so that you can experience some of the best ideas and solutions to help you solve real life problems so that you can live a happy and healthy life and of course become the best version of yourself every single day. You see, I've found that to reach your full potential in our careers, relationships, our health goals and in life, we must take a look at what's going on on the inside of ourselves as this is where the change really starts. I hope you enjoy the podcast and remember, leave feedback and comments so that I can continue to bring you content and guests that truly help you become the best version of yourself so that you can live a life that you love. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome everyone that is listening in today to this week's episode of the podcast. So there is a topic that comes up regularly for me with clients and it is very topical at the moment and that is all about gut health. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this today is because sometimes it can be more than just about what is going on in our gut with relation to food. It can actually have bigger things that are happening in relation to our nervous system, anxiety and stress, and it can all be combined in the brain-gut connection. And that's what I want to talk about today. And to do that, I have got the amazing Leslie Reed, who is a dietitian, and I'm bringing her on today to talk to us in a bit more detail about how clients experience uh, gut problems and how that relates to their overall mental health. And I want to welcome Leslie on now. Thank you very much for joining me, Leslie. Hi, Deborah. How are we doing? I'm very good. How are you today? I'm good. I'm enjoying a bit of sunshine here, which is very rare. Uh, so I can see I'm insanely jealous because I'm in a room with some artificial lighting. But hey, I'll take I'll take it. It's all good. So lovely to have you here. And um, this is such a great topic. Um, I just felt that, you know, with a lot of the client work that we've done, even together, you know, with the clients that we've both worked with, it's such a common theme that's coming up about the gut and the also our mental health and how they're actually connected. And I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to hear from someone like yourself to really talk to us about how do you identify with clients that it may be more than just the food challenges for them and what the types of things that they experience in their life um, what limitations are they actually experiencing? So that's the types of things that we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, I really wanted to give an introduction to you and hear from yourself a little bit about how you got into nutrition and having the business that you've got now. Because I've, as I said from our earlier chats before, that's nine years you've been freelancing as a dietitian, but I believe over 20 years You've been in the industry overall. That is a long time, so you must have a passion for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so yeah. So um, I actually came to dietetics um, kind of later on in life. We called us mature students, 
Um, and so kind of, I, I didn't go to university till I was around about 21. Um, mm -hmm. But why, why I, I got involved with it, I, there's, you know, even in those days, you could tell that there's a connection between, you know, you know, what you were eating and what you were feeling. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's really the passion is just to help people enjoy feeling better, you know. And I think where I fell into gut health was for quite a long time, we were, we were kind of letting people down because we were kind of following the medical model. So, you know, we were giving people medication, you know, high fiber, low fiber. And then it got to a point of like, well, what else? If that doesn't work, what else? And that's when began to look into more about the types of food people were eating, the pace of what people were eating, and generally what people were thinking and, and feeling at the same time. And it was easier to kind of um, map out the issue when you start to look at the person as a whole and not just looking at the person as the condition. I love that, that holistic approach where we're not just focusing in on one aspect of it. We're looking at lifestyle, what we're going through, experiences, other external factors, stressors and things like that. So that's ideal. Um, what in relation to, you know, when a client actually um, comes to see you or puts in an inquiry to talk to you, what are some of the sort of conditions that, um, physical conditions with the gut that you've came across or that, that, that are common for you to talk to clients about? So the most common one would tend to be IBS. So mm -hmm. I think it's something like 15% of the UK population has has a degree of IBS. So that's, that takes up the majority, but you also get, in the west of Scotland, we have a high population of diverticular disease because historically we have such a low fiber diet. Um, and then you've obviously got people who have maybe things like um, proctitis, which is like inflammation of the rectum, or you get people that maybe have Crohn's or colitis. Um, and then you get things like functional dyspepsia. So it's um, it's more than heartburn um, or it's, it's to kind of to do with the function of your upper GI, which tends to be separate from um, IBS itself. So, so yeah, so there's, there's so many different um, conditions that are, that are affected mm -hmm. um, by um, nutrition in your gut. So when a client comes to talk to you about something with their gut, so maybe they're on some medication or they've had gut problems before um, and they've been trying different strategies, but they're maybe not getting any resolution that they're looking for. So when they come to you, what symptoms are they presenting with that make them feel that it's gut related before you then establish that it's maybe more than that? So what are the typical things that they say to you? Yeah. So, well, potentially what I've, as I said earlier, I've got to look at everybody as a, as a whole. So you have to start, like, it's I always treat people like an onion. So you yeah, have to I use point. that phrase all the time in therapy world, <laughs> peel the onion back. Peel the, yes. peel the layers back. So um, so a bit like your, yourself, you're kind of looking for the, the, the root cause. So you start to kind of do a bit of digging. So you're like, you're looking at like, when did these symptoms start? Is it an acute attack? Or have they had these symptoms really grumbling on for kind of like the past 20 years? And then you're kind of looking for, a, is there a cause? So was there a bug? Had they travelled somewhere? Had they been through a stressful time? Um, you know, had their body changed? Like you and I know, we see, see when so many people going through menopause yeah. that potentially can bring on symptoms. And then you're kind of looking at like, if you're trying to feed off that person, trying to get a bit of a feel for them, like, are you picking up that they're anxious? Do you find parts of them 
and maybe got degrees of perfectionism. Um, and then you're looking at these soft symptoms. So they might come to me with things like um, acne or weight problems. And, you know, you're looking at like, well, what's our general energy like? What's our skin like? Have they got any hormonal symptoms? Is there a bit of a cycle that comes with this? Um, and then you're also looking at people forget about it's not always about what you eat. It's how you're eating. Are you are they drinking and eating at the same time? So they're washing away all the saliva. So that's preventing digestion further down. Um, are they eating on the go? Is there long gaps between eating? Are they overeating at points and undereating at points as well? Um, and then you're kind of looking at the kind of nitty gritty, like what are their actual symptoms? You know, yeah. is it constipation that needs to be um, looked at? Is it diarrhea? Um, is it that they are nauseated, bloated, discomfort? And so it's um, it's 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 trying to understand um, understand them. And um, and what I always try to dig about for is is there a trauma? You know, so right. we all bury a trauma. You know, you know, if, you know, people tend to get on with things but they've still got this trauma that's maybe lingering um and you know is it that, that they've had their confidence not is it that they're as you said earlier on you kind of touched on have they got a self-fulfilling prophecy and that they start to worry about their symptoms they get symptoms yeah it kind of carries on um like that as well and so it's really people often come with me to me with a, a gut issue a weight issue a skin issue and you're really trying to pull back like what is what is the cause and that's why I use you Deborah as one of my tools <laughs> thank you <laughs> because it's um it's not always black and white and very often an upset digestive system is too green it doesn't fit the medical model that we're all yeah. presented with I think um some really good points in there about you know what clients present with so they have an idea of what they believe is is the main issue so they come with you know the different stomach problems the IBS the bloating etc but it's not until we maybe look at a closer um, view or a sort of you know helicopter view of well what is life really like for this person and I think that really leads into some of the examples of some of the clients that I've worked in that perhaps you can share some stories as well like you know, I've had clients present before where the stomach issues are real. And I think that's the yeah. key thing that I want to yeah. say here today. This is not, you know, yeah. I'm not a doctor here. I'm not saying that they're not real. These are very real symptoms. And the likelihood is that clients will be getting medicated mm -hmm. for specific symptoms. And that's really key here. Mm -hmm. But what I found, and this is where I feel people get caught in a bit of a trap. So they, they present quite often feeling frozen in life. So they, they share with me, you know, I'm stuck. I just, I can't do the things that I want to do. I can't go to these places. I can't enjoy nice meals. I can't go out with my friends because all I do is worry about what might be. So once we start talking, or as you say, you know, come back that onion and you discover, well, there was maybe a, a, a food poisoning incident in their life, or there was um, maybe they've always been told, you know, there were that kid that's got the stomach issues. Mm -hmm. So then they hold on to that. And that's how they write the story for the rest of their life. So as we talked about the spiral, they feel a twinge in their gut. 
which could be just like any of us would get, you know, maybe you've eaten a bit too much and you get a bit of a, oh, my tummy's a bit full. But what I've recognised with clients is if they get something like that, they instantly go to the place that it's going to be one of their flare-ups. So therefore, it stops them from going forward, doing the things they want to do. Now, because the brain always goes, so it's all find the stories that you want it to. That's the good old brain for you. So if you think of a story, if you think, oh, I've got a twinge in my tummy, it could be your brain's going to go all the way back to your subconscious, pull every story out that says, this is true, this is true, this is true. So then you just stop going forward and enjoying life. So as we've worked with clients, you know, the clients that you've you've referred over to me, one of the first things that I'm really looking at for them is how to help them start approaching their life from a place of curiosity rather than fear. Mm -hmm. So that's the same with food as well. Because mm -hmm. if you want to just talk a little bit about how they see food when, when, when they come to you, how they feel about food and, and what their behaviours are quite often about food when they arrive at you. Oh gosh, so um, so usually by the time people come to me, I'm not first call. So they've been to the doctor, they've maybe, maybe had an endoscopy, they've had a colonoscopy, um, some friend has given them something to follow, or they've decided, oh, I think it's gluten, I think it's dairy, I think it's fructans, um, I think it's fibre. Um, I, I tend to get people who are on a very restrictive diet. So they've, they've cut and cut. So what maybe would happen is, so I'll, get, I'll tell you an example. So potentially this is all, this whole onion is, is happening and they think, I, I think I need to cut out gluten. They cut out gluten and what actually happens is there can be a bit of a placebo effect. They're doing something positive, you know, about it. They're taking action. And they might feel better for potentially, you know, it might be the answer. Gluten may be the answer, but um, I think the statistics of us, of people having gluten, genuine gluten intolerances is actually quite low, but it, right. it gets, it's quite, a, it's quite a difficult molecule to digest, but it gets a bad rap. So they maybe take it out for a wee while. They begin to feel a little bit better. And um, then, but then what happens, it, it isn't actually the answer. And then they get a flare. But then they're too scared to bring that gluten back in because it yeah. could be, it might not be. And then what happens is they then go, oh, no, no, it's not gluten, it's dairy. So now they're gluten dairy. And again, the same thing happens, maybe feel better for a couple of weeks. And then, oh, no, they get another flare. So now they're still getting the flares, but they're too scared to bring those foods back in. Mm -hmm. So you get very, if food begins to become phobic-like because mm -hmm. you just don't know how it's going to behave. But you're you were absolutely correct. People have horrendous symptoms, debilitating symptoms. I've seen people who have had relationship breakups, who have had um, had to leave jobs, who become agoraphobic through these real physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, but when they go to the doctor and they have everything done, they say there's nothing there. But like that's that's depressing for somebody yeah. because it's like I I am actually feeling in pain. You know, I can't be intimate with my partner. Um, you know, I'm always bloated. I feel disgusted about myself, but you're telling me that there's, that there's nothing there. And so it's just, it's all those layers of negativity, fear of food that that keep the, the issue going. And, you know, nobody wants to be in pain, you know. No, I think you, the, 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 that, that keeping the issue going, that cycle, um, the, the, the feeling of 
not been able to break the pattern that I think when I speak to clients that they find it difficult to first of all believe that it can be possible that it can be changed because they've they've only known it this way for such a long time um and the food that you were talking about so this cutting out of the different foods so there's two things in that one you mentioned the placebo effect now if we think about that in the sense of any scientific studies that have ever been done and it's you know some people have gluten some people won't and then we'll see what happens and because psychologically you think that you're somebody that's not had the gluten then you'll believe that oh well that must feel better anyway it's like the the sugar tablet one they did it scientifically and it's because you've given yourself a, a strategy that you believe is going to be the answer so yeah. psychologically you already feel better because you've implemented something it's like when somebody you know books to come and see me as a client then usually even just after a consultation <laughs> they, yeah. they then come to their first session saying I just felt better even after speaking to you and I'm like yeah because you feel that there's hope being returned again there's yeah. that feeling that there's some hope and I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you was you were talking about how they restrict food and, and various things over and over I mean, is there a possibility or a chance there that by doing this, they're actually creating more intolerances? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So I always say if you take a food out and if after six weeks you don't feel any better. So I get people to note their symptoms before they take the food out and then potentially six weeks later, note their symptoms again. Because um, people forget how bad they can feel and people forget how, how good they can feel. And... Um, yeah so if and if you've not if you don't feel any better you have to bring it back in because the biggest thing so what so I'm kind of going to touch a little bit on the gut microbiome Mm -hmm. it's it's too short a podcast to talk about it in depth but your gut microbiome is your trillions of bacteria and fungi that grow in your large bowel now when I first started doing dietetics I had never heard of this but as the years have gone on it we've known that it plays a role in your mood it plays a role in um it potentially um, your immune system it, it plays a role in protecting against certain cancers it's like a colony in your gut um, and but the, those all these it's a, a bit so um the they live in like symbiosis with each other but again they can be affected by antibiotics Mm -hmm. you know food poison you know these things can be affected Mm -hmm. and your gut microbiome is dictated from the day that you're born so whether you were a vaginal delivery what you were fed as a child where you lived what you ate what you experienced any bugs that you had um you know if you played outside if you played indoors what your diet was like so it's kind of a map of your life but so your gut microbiome is, is really, really important, but you're, so I kind of give the analogy of it's a bit like a garden. So if you were to just put the same fertilizer in your garden, you'll only grow the same flowers. Yeah. So, so potentially if, if you only put the same foods in your gut, you will only grow the same bacteria. But as I said earlier on, it's a symbiosis of different bacteria and fungi living together that's got the health benefit. And the biggest advice is about, you know, when we look at all the studies about longevity of life, protecting against heart disease and cancer, it's about diversity. Yeah. So, so it's important to have diversity of protein, fibres, um, carbohydrates, fats in your diet to have the, the best version of your gut microbiome. So 
If you restrict and restrict, you will only grow the same bacteria, which will affect your mood, which will affect um, your immune system. And so it's, it's, it's more complicated. People don't respect the, the food enough mm -hmm. uh, and the role that it plays in more than just nutrition. And I think from some of the clients that I've worked with, that, that you're talking about, about the food there and, you know, really restricting it. I've noticed that, you know, they might try something once mm -hmm. and then feel that it might have caused a twinge or an upset stomach or whatever. And it's and it's instantly then dismissed in yeah. that moment. There's no, until I'm actually speaking with them, it's at that point that they reflect on, actually, I was really stressed that day yeah. and something had happened and I was really, you know, up to high door, you know, whatever was going on. I was very anxious and it's only on reflection they realise that maybe it wasn't actually just specifically because of the food. And that's when we start to make the gut-brain connection mm -hmm. and how the both parts are working together. Because the more our, our nervous system is in fight or flight, it has a direct automatic impact on what's happening in our gut and how our, our, our you know, we process everything, our, our foods, our um, bowel movements, everything, all these things all get impacted internally by the central nervous system when it is activated. And for a lot of people that live with anxiety or experience anxiety, they are living in that fight or flight mode for a large proportion of their time. So because of that, it is excess cortisol all the time, together with all of the usual things that happen when we prepare to fight or flight. So we feel our body shifting and changing. But when we live like that, the majority of the time, that can be really detrimental. Yeah. But what happens is we get stuck on a cycle. So we're so used to believing that the worst is going to happen, that even before the worst has happened, we're expecting the worst. Yes. And that's where I really focus with clients to help them move from a place of fear to curiosity, to plan or prepare rather for the worst, but to expect the best so that they have that shift in mindset that, you know, they will be able to cope if something happens. However, there's a good chance that because they're doing it in a, in a strategic and appropriate way that they will actually be okay. And once they actually work through that and begin to release those fears and find the right strategies and techniques for them to relax, feel more at ease with themselves, calm the nervous system through some breath work and obviously hypnosis. What I found is that, and this one technique in particular actually I use with clients is helping them get perspective. Because what I found is with clients with food um, and gut, gut health, it becomes all-consuming. Yeah. So it's like nothing else in the world is happening except what I'm dealing with in this moment with this gut problem. And it means that I'm saying no to everything in life. I'm not going anywhere. I'm frightened to go out and experience life to its fullest. And both of our ethos is, this is why we obviously yeah. connect really well, is you know, everybody deserves, in my opinion, to live a beautiful life. And that is whatever way it looks for you. But that means in good health, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, so that you can actually live freely. And when clients present in such a way that it's all consuming, 
when I start to unpack that and help them shift perspective, the real golden outcomes for me is when I hear them coming back saying, I was able to go to that restaurant because I did look at the food menu before and I was comfortable with knowing that there was food there for me and I know it works well for my gut and now I'm excited because I've now got new opportunities I can explore because I've got stories to evidence that it's not always going to go bad. So it's like it's like rewiring you towards positivity and good outcomes so that you're not just constantly finding the evidence to all the negative stuff that's happened in the past. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's so complicated. And I think people are surprised when when they come to me and they start to hear their story. You know, it's um, that they're like, you know, and then when I start to recommend, you know, looking at hypnotherapy, um, it's just like, oh, I, I didn't think it was that bad. And like, well, you know, it is, it's debilitating. You know, you're not getting, as you said, you're not getting to live the life you deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, the, and it's really frustrating because it isn't respected by, doctors it's just oh you've got a little bit of IBS but as you said this is writing people's story of, mm-hmm. you know of of their life and it is it's um and and don't get me wrong some people come to me I know instantly it's something that they're eating um but I would say you know a good you know a good 50% of my clients I refer on to somebody else because I do feel like I'm a bit of a facilitator I have to have time to hear somebody's story mm-hmm. and as you said sometimes people just automatically feel better but it's then right okay I think you need you think you need me but I think you need I think you need Deborah or somebody, yeah, or somebody else. else yeah and I think what's good is is or what's interesting is when you so so you meet somebody you hear their story they offload to you and then they feel better that they're going to make new progress, right? So then they'll maybe come to me and they'll do a piece of work with me. And then there's the fact is that the that they still maybe have a physical condition. So I'm not saying here when this is not what we're trying to say is that it will be completely removed, especially if you have a, a genuine physical condition. However, it can be improved so that you can live your life by managing your nervous system, your anxiety, your stressors. But I think what's really key is, is for those that have been referred to me in, um, after yourself, we can then refer back to you yeah. and then you can actually work with somebody that is in a place where they're open, they are more comfortable with being experimental so that curiosity over fear approach and they have actually got hope back again and I think we underestimate how important that is because I sense a lot from the clients that we work with together the sense of hopelessness this is how my life will always be and it really saddens me when I meet clients that that feel this way And it makes me happy in the same note to know that we're advocating for them by helping support them through that. So when they would come back to you, how's your experience with that been as they've transferred back to you, say, after working with somebody like myself? Yeah. So what what I do find is when people come to me, sometimes there's too much noise. So what I can't, I'm thinking, right, could it be? salicylic acid in your diet you know could it be FODMAPs could it be you know but there's too much noise that I don't think the if we start on the diet first it's it's not the right place so if we can if we can get the self-belief the the confidence 
um, this, uh, the, their, their nervous system to calm down and then it's much easier to pick up so when I, I get people to keep my mood food and symptom diary and then we can pick up look okay definitely when you have caffeine when you have alcohol it's an issue so let's start there or look your hydration is really really poor let's start to work on that or um, it's your timing of meals or in actual fact look it definitely triggers off more when there's gluten but I can see it but when there's <laughs> too much noise being driven by the, the 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 worry and the anxiety and the negative stories I can't see it and the last thing I want to do is because I said earlier on my thing is about trying to keep people's diet as diverse as possible. I do not want to over-restrict somebody's diet because mm -hmm. food's, food's a great thing. Food's lovely. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much that we get from food. So I really, you know, I really don't want to put people on unnecessary restrictions um, because, again, that just brings issues and worry and anxieties about what they're going to have and keeps feeding this story. But, you know, if it's not genuine, if there's not a genuine intolerance or reaction or, or, or whatever. No, I think that sums it up perfectly. Um, the way that you explained that about the noise is I, I had the thought in my head there, which I, I share a lot with clients is, let me help you get out of your head and back into your body. Yeah. Because you, all these overthinking, um, the thought processes, the way that it's coming out in your body, your emotions, your feelings, it's impacting your gut. So if we can get out of your head and back into your body, calm the noise down, as you say, then you can start to think clearly, make decisions. Um, and as you've pointed out, if they're able to make notes about, you know, this is when I had this to drink or this to eat, if we're not then concerned with, at the same time, I was really stressed and I was really anxious, you're able to pinpoint in a lot more clearly. And I think that's fantastic. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation today and I actually think there'll be more to talk about in this yes. area because I was watching, uh, somebody sent me something the other day from, from a TV programme that was talking exactly about, you know, gut health and microbiomes and uh, your nervous system and things like that. And I thought, well, this is probably very topical for right now. So I suspect we'll be back Come again back for sure. But before that we do that, I want to, first of all, thank you for coming on. Um, it's been amazing to have a, a, an expert in this field really break it down and um, help us understand that there's an, a holistic approach to everything. And I think if we keep that in mind, then we can take care of our clients, patients, customers, whatever you want to call them, much better. Um, but before we go, I just wanted to share a couple of tips from myself, and I wanted to get a couple of tips from yourself as well. Yep. So I was, a couple of things that I would say when it comes to this particular area, working with stress, anxiety, as it impacts your gut, there was two things. One, which I've said multiple times, approach life, food, whatever, with curiosity over fear and if you can come from it from that place bringing it reintroducing then that makes it easier to actually start um getting back into some more standard eating patterns rather than um fearful where you're cutting everything out so to slowly approach with curiosity rather than fear and one of the other things is to calm your central nervous system is learn about breath work. It doesn't, I'm not suggesting you need to do a big breath work course, but just understand how simple belly breathing, box breathing, lots of different simple types of breathing. And I'll put a little um, a PDF into the links for all of this, where there's um, 
ways to reduce anxiety almost instantly with breath work tips. And if you can adopt some of them, then they certainly will help calm the nervous system and you can get out of your head and back into your body. So what about yourself, Leslie? So yes, I've already said this tip. So really my life tip would generally be diversity is key. So I get people, even if we just took away from gut health, you get people that are very restrictive diets, you know, get lots of chicken and broccoli and rice diets. And um, so it's about diversity. So it's about um, having as many colors and crunchies and tastes and fiber, you know, mix your diet up as much as possible for kind of long-term health. Um, I think if we're just kind of going back to looking at it from a kind of a stomach issue, I would always be curious to not automatically blame what you've just eaten, because it can often be what you're feeling. It could be what you had to eat the night before or the day before. Um, it could be that you drank or had um, coffee on an empty stomach, you know, so it could be something quite simple rather than you automatically blame in the toast that you've just had um, and um, again if you feel that you think I do think that uh, there's a certain trigger food that's an issue do it do it methodically take one thing out at a time take it out for six weeks um, you know note your symptoms before note your symptoms after and see if there's any difference if there's no difference bring it right back in because you don't want to be on an over restrictive diet and I love, I love that, that you've just said there, don't over-restrict because there's sometimes just no need for it whatsoever. No, absolutely. And I think the main thing is be patient. As humans, we're not patient. So it's just, you know, you're not automatically, you don't try something for one day and just, you know, hope that it's going to be better. Things take time. So yes, they yeah, do. definitely be patient. And if somebody wanted to uh, connect with you, Leslie, yeah. and actually have a consultation or yeah. to have a chat with you or inquire, what's yeah. the, I'll be sharing all your links yeah. within all of the, the materials with the podcast when it goes out. But just for today, just as we're talking, what's yeah. the sort of one fastest route to contacting you? Um, potentially, um, you know, just looking at my website. So it's Leslie Reed Dietitian, pretty plain, or putting dietitian. Um, Scotland or Glasgow or, or wherever. So it's just um, Leslie. So is it just Leslie Reed Dietitian dot co dot uk That's the fastest way to access and the inquiry forms on there. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So that is all for us today, and I want to just thank you again, Leslie, for being such a super guest. And I will let you ring off today, and uh, I'll no doubt see you back on for another podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks Bye -bye. for having me. Bye bye. I hope everyone enjoyed today, and um, I'm looking forward to hearing any feedback or comments from our audience on whether you would like some more of this on this topic or whatever else that you would like. So thank you and goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you've taken away something valuable, even a golden nugget that will help you move forward with your life so that you can become the best version of yourself and really have that life that you love. So I will see you back here every Tuesday. A new episode will be released, same time, same place. And if you want to sign up so that you're notified when these new episodes are live for you to listen to, then all the details will be in the description. So thanks again, and I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.